Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, October 14th. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff, fresh off the wedding of his son, Andrew. I was fortunate enough to uh, to visit Jeff and uh, attend the wedding. So uh, everything's going, Jeff. Um, how's the uh, how's the recovery going? I know uh, I know you still have yeah. a lot of work to do when we left. So yeah, well we we're pretty much back to normal around here now. Um, I think uh, you know just as far as as cleanup goes and stuff, we survived it without any any major catastrophes. Um, Man, a lot of bees around here, you know. You when you throw cans of pop and beer and stuff all over the yard, you know, the bees just have a heyday. But yeah. uh, other than that, we're good. Yeah, and um, yeah, the, you guys, uh, for everybody listening, the wedding was actually at Jeff's house on their on their property. So uh, they, they've got a little bit of land and um, set up a a pretty good size uh, tent in the back and, and really put a lot of work into this thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, the work paid off. I thought it was, it was really nice. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a good, uh, good celebration, uh, a nice day for, for Andrew and Jenna. And um, of course they're, they're, uh, they're off in Aruba. So nobody feels sorry for them right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? They were, they were thrilled. They had the day that they wanted, and that's really what it's all about. That's right. That's right. So um, we have a guest with us, Jeff. Uh, Joe Neal is uh, is uh, joining us. Uh, Joe, how are things going for you? Going great. What's up, guys? Hey, glad glad to have you on the show. Um, first timer. We appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited to be here. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, so um, tell you what, uh, let me let me give your uh, Twitter handle here. Um, people can give you a follow, and that's uh, you got you got underscores and stuff here. So it's uh, you correct me if I'm wrong. It's it's at j underscore o underscore n e i l l. Yep, sounds good. Right. Um, I had to try it several different combinations for my name to get on there without it being taken. So. That's uh, unfortunately where the underscores come in. I hate underscores, but they they fit. So, it, well, it works, and yeah, no problem at all. So, um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hear more from uh, Joe about uh, you know his fandom and hear a little bit more about him and, and everything. But before we do that, and before we get into all the football talk, we got three guys here, and we're all drinking something doesn't always happen that way, but it is tonight. Um, right. So, Joe, you're the guest. Why don't you lead us off on our Blitz beverages? Um, let us know what you what you have in front of you there. So today we just got a nice uh, glass of uh, Jim Beam, just regular, um, with a little bit of ice in it, and going, going for the classic bourbon, so love it. Excellent, excellent. Um, I don't know about Jeff, I'm not really much of a bourbon drinker like like not much at all ever so um <laughs> but uh i know a lot of people who are so uh you know whatever you enjoy i think uh, i think that's great so um, our dad was a big bourbon drinker he, he was he was um that was his that was pretty much his drink of choice so yeah that was um, his go-to yeah definitely so jeff you said you uh you, you 
kind of gave me a tease, said you had something a little special for the show tonight. So um, I oh. assume it's I assume it's not Bush Light. No, the Bush Light um, is is uh, going to my son's house as soon as they get back because I don't really like having that in my refrigerator. Oh, um, how many cases were what four cases left or something? Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the, the 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 story I told the night of the wedding was, you know, we had we had boatloads of of beer around here. We we iced all of it down except for the Bush Light because we ran out of containers to put beer in you know we had tons of ice but no containers no coolers or tubs or anything so i told the bartenders i said just keep that bush light back behind the bar and i said if we run out of everything else just go ahead and serve the bush light warm i said it won't taste any worse (laughs) you were absolutely right 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 so anyway getting moving on to uh what i'm drinking tonight um so uh our cousins came in from wisconsin um, for the weekend to, to attend the wedding. And they were nice enough to bring me some, um, Wisconsin beers. And so they, they brought me three different kinds, but I, I just thought I'd get into one of them tonight. Um, and maybe I'll cover the others on future shows, but, um, so anybody who's been to Wisconsin probably has had new Glarus spotted cow. Uh, that's what I'm drinking tonight. Um, if you're not familiar with new Glarus, it's, it's, um, it's basically the, the bush light of Wisconsin, um, but tastes better. Um, (laughs) pretty much everybody (laughs) in Wisconsin drinks new Glarus, uh, because that's the only place you can get it. It's not available outside of Wisconsin. Um, so it's, it's a good summertime, uh, refreshing ale, um, the way I would describe it is, um, you know, back in the day when I had the the, the kegerator rod, I had mm-hmm. uh, Genesee cream ale on yeah. tap. Yeah. Um, farm. But it's really just a cream ale. Um, and it's a lot like Genesee cream ale that I drank back in the day, but it's sweeter. So it's kind of like lemonade from a from a sweetness standpoint, but it tastes a lot like Jenny cream. Um, so, you know, it's the kind of beer that you'd probably sit, you know, on a summer day at the pool and, you know, drink a half a dozen of them and, um, not get tired of drinking it. Um, but I think, you know, as far as, um, you know, reviews on this beer, it's, it's kind of like, uh, the Michael Stanley band of beers, um, you know, Mm. super popular where it is, um, and, and not taking anything away from it, but it's just really, you know not the greatest uh, national presence uh, because you can't get anywhere else. So gotcha. um, anyway, that's, that's tonight's beer. Excellent. So I am drinking um, this, this kind of has a little bit of a story too, because we stopped at, uh, we stopped at Arche Brewery uh, in uh, Akron on the way up um, Friday uh, to Cleveland. And, um, we we had a few beers and we got some uh, we got a little bit to go and um, you know I did a flight and the beer that I liked the best and Jeff will get a kick out of this because you know we got this thing we talk about where you know I don't like IPAs and everything um, 
this I'm drinking a New England IPA, which I don't know if I've really had more than maybe one before. Um, I really didn't know what a New England IPA is, and I don't know if you've had New England IPA before or not, Jeff. I don't think it, so. It, it's actually it's an IPA, but the New England part. See, I, I always thought New England IPA would be even more bitter, and it actually turns out it's just it's a little bit less bitter. So it's still got the bitterness, you know, a little bit of the bitterness of an IPA, but not as much. Um, so it's it's a little more smooth drinking, but you can still taste some of that bitterness. So it still tastes like an IPA. Uh, but this one is a, it's a salted key lime New England IPA, um, Urshea Summer Classics. It's it's five percent, so it's easy drinking, um, and. This is this is actually what the uh, second time I've been to Arche, and they just they do a really nice job with their beers. So, like with this one, the the key lime doesn't take the beer over at all. It's very subtle, and just like the bitterness in this New England IPA, it's there, but it's not. It doesn't take over either. So this is just a very pleasant beer to drink. So. Um, I'm actually excited that I found out about New England IPAs. <laughs> nice. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, it's something that I'm going to look for when I'm out and something I'm going to try more of because I'm really enjoying it. Because I've been, I've been trying more IPAs to, you know, to kind of find, you know, what I liked, you know, kind of where the line was with how much bitterness I liked and everything. But with this toning it down a little bit, um, it, it's just really good. And if you guys haven't been to Arche, you ought to go out there. Um, just excellent place. Well, so, you were uh, at the, the new location as well, right? I, I've not. Yeah, been the new one, the new one near downtown Akron. Um, I can't remember what they call it, but yeah. Yeah, the new one that's in the warehouse. Um, right. It's the old uh, Firestone headquarters or Goodyear headquarters. I, I forget which. Um, yeah, I mean, it's in a big brick warehouse. And yeah, they got right. Tons of space in there. Um, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool, pretty cool place. I mean, there weren't that many people in there when we went in for lunch. So we just went in and got some pizza and pretzels and and you know had a few drinks. Um, you know before we went uh, before we went to the hotel and check in and, and then went to your house. So um, it was a good stop. Nice, nice place. So um, that that's going to end a a, a a little longer than usual edition of Blitz Beverages, but um, that was pretty enjoyable. So um, <laughs> let's move on to uh, to the portion where we let Joe talk about his Browns journey. Um, Joe, we we'd just like to give you a chance to to talk about how you became a Browns fan. You know, anything that might be unique and or anything just anything you want to talk about, favorite players, memories, or how things worked out for you. And the, the floor is yours. Awesome, sounds good, guys. Well, first, I gotta say your your beer stories were were awesome. That's that's so cool when you have stories behind it like that. I love it. Thanks. Um, and so so I'm I'm 30 34, gonna be 35 soon. So I was born in born in '86. So I I born born during the Bernie years, but didn't really get to experience them. Um. And I was a big, big, big gamer. So I loved uh, Tech Mobile and I loved being the Browns and Kevin Mack and and all that good stuff. Um, and my, my dad was a big Browns fan. And I, sometimes I think he liked 
watching the game so he could so he could drink. I mean, he never needed an excuse, but he he'd always be slamming some down while he was while we were watching the game. And he, I remember we were watching Vinny Testaverde in the playoffs, and he was Vinny threw an interception or something, and he's like, "Oh, Vinny's colorblind," and I'm thinking that he's just like busting our balls because you know he's been drinking and he's a smart ass and. It was years later I found out Vinny actually was colorblind, so um, I, <laughs> I wish I could have apologized to my dad for not believing him when he said it. But uh, And then Madden 90, 95, I loved being the Browns and Eric Metcalf. And uh, he was the, the, the fastest dude in that game, and pretty excited Eric Metcalf actually liked one of my tweets talking about that. So it's so cool seeing all the all the Browns players, like old Browns players, active like on social media and interacting with everybody. So and I live 20, 20 minutes east of Cleveland, so kind of just grew up always a, a Browns fan and everything. And uh, my wife and I, our anniversary is like right around opening week for the NFL. So it's kind of like one of our things to go kind of t- to the home opener and kind of do anniversary stuff. So, and I just kind of in, in the, in the DNA a little bit. And I don't know, it's just, it was, was fun sticking with them when they were, when they were bad. And now that they're, they're good, it's even more fun. So. Yeah. I mean, you were, you were pretty young when the, uh, when, when, when we lost the Browns. Uh, yeah, kind so of, kind of curious about your your memories and your thought process, you know, of them them leaving and coming back. So I was so I was like eight when when the Browns left, and uh, I just remember all the adults were just so so upset, like all the like my dad and uncles and everyone that my dad talked to, everyone was just they were like furious. And as a kid, I had no idea like what it actually meant like for the city and area and stuff and it was like oh i could still watch football on on tv but you know for for everybody in in cleveland and the area and everything it's it's bigger than just watching football on tv so and then when they when they came back um you know i like there was the the buzz around coming back and I was starting to get a little bit older, so kind of realizing a little bit more what the what the Browns coming back meant, and kind of getting getting all excited. And that's when uh, when when Tim Tim Couch got drafted, I was all excited, and um, you know, was in the backyard playing you know football and you know pretending I was Tim Couch and stuff. And it was it was kind of kind of crazy times, especially being a kid and like not realizing exactly what was going on and kind of just seeing how everyone else reacted and stuff was was kind of kind of kind of crazy, I think. But it was it was good, though. Yeah, it was great. Crazy time for all all Browns fans. Definitely that stretch that stretch uh, for sure. Uh, Joe, you had a plug you wanted to put out there. Let, let's get that out there before we get into the foot, the uh, rest of the football talk. Oh, that's, that sounds good guys. Um, so I actually just came back, um, just got home from setting up a, a 5k with, with my wife. Um, so th- we have a 5k this Sunday, 10, 10 AM at penitentiary Glen. And if you go to, um, if you go to run signup.com, and go to find a race 
type in relay for life and you're going to see a uh, relay for life monster dash it's going to be one of the first first results um click on that and you can you can sign up for the we have we have a 5k and we're also doing like a a trick-or-treat lap a one one mile trick-or-treat lap so the the kids can kind of just like get dressed up and walk around and we'll have people every every so often passing out candy so and penitentiary glen is a is a great place love the uh, lake metro parks and um it sh should be a good time and we're we're doing it before the Browns game, so it starts starts at ten. So by the time we're done and everything, everyone should be able to go home and actually catch the one o'clock games. And with the Browns starting at four, gives gives plenty of time to kind of prepare for that too. So, and that was uh, run runsignup.com, and then find a race relay for life, and then relay for life of Lake County Monster Dash Five K for a cure. Excellent, excellent. Thanks, Joe. All right, let's uh, let's get into some Browns football. And uh, there was a game Sunday, and and what a game! You know, I guess it depends what side you're on. Uh, you know, as far as whether this was a a true classic or not. But uh, Jeff, you took the over in this one, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. 89 points um, scored in this game. No, I. This was the first time all year I took the under. And yeah, we, we all, were all last week predicted a low-scoring game, and of course yeah. that you know that goes to show how smart we are. Yeah, you you had 23-20. I you know I went even lower than that, 17-10, and our guest went 13-10. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, pretty much a thousand yards of offense combined. Um, Boy, if you liked if you liked points, this was your game. Yeah, I mean there there was so much offense and so much scoring in this game. I mean it's really hard to even keep track of you know what happened and the swings and everything in this. You know, um, I mean uh, the Browns were up up uh, what twenty to twenty-seven to thirteen three minutes into the third quarter. Yeah, they had to feel pretty good about their 13. chances at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, you know the the game was on. I don't know if it was NFL Network again last night, so I I kind of begrudgingly watched a bit of it again um, <laughs> while I was reading a book, you know, just so I could kind of look up at it every now and then. And and yeah, I kind of looked up at that point when it was um, twenty seven to thirteen. I thought, man, they were up twenty seven to thirteen in this game, you know, and end up losing it. Um, because, yeah, I, I definitely felt pretty good at that point, too, you know, with them getting the ball, um, you know, um, that was, second. That was their first possession after after halftime. They, they took it down yeah. the field. Well, that was the, the Nick Chubb 52-yard touchdown run, which had to just energize the whole team, right? And you think, yeah. man, we, we've been talking about them getting that fourth touchdown all season. And you thought, well, geez, you know, we've got almost two full quarters now. We're going to probably get that fourth touchdown. In fact, we got the fourth touchdown, you know, early in the fourth quarter. We got a fifth touchdown uh, late in the fourth quarter. Problem is we gave up five touchdowns in the second half. Yeah, yeah. They get, uh, the yeah, Chargers 20. scored seven touchdowns in that game. 
Yeah, they get yeah, tw- and twenty six <laughs> points in the fourth quarter. Twenty six points right. in the fourth quarter. Right. Um, right. Yeah, just incredible. When I wrote when I, I wrote this down by quarter, when I wrote down twenty six, I'm like, oh my gosh, twenty six points. I mean, Brown scored fifteen, but they gave up twenty six in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, there's just so much to digest with this game, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna play the blame game. Um, geez, that that's all that Twitter's been all week is. Uh, as Joe can attest to, um, is, is whose fault was this? You know, why did the Browns lose? Whose fault was it? You know, was it's it Baker's fault? fault? Was it Stefanski's <laughs> fault? Was it Joe Wood's fault? Was it OBJ's fault? Was it uh, uh, Jamie Gillen's fault? Um, you know, it's got to be somebody's fault. The Waterboy's fault. fault. Waterboy. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Browns scored 42. They gave up 47, um, you know. I think we knew going in that this was going to be a tough game. Um, the Browns weren't favored in this game. It's on it's on the West Coast, which they where they always struggle. And you know, and I'm not making excuses because you know they could have easily won this game. But we knew it was going to be a tough game, and it was. And there were things that happened that um, you know that made it tougher for them to win, definitely. Um, where they can they can say hey we would have won if this if this would have happened you know that that uh, <laughs> that uh, that defensive pass interference where where the uh, um, where where the wide receiver for the for the Chargers was clearly holding um, was a greedy on that play I think um, you know yeah greedy's uniform greedy's not doing anything and greedy gets called for for pass interference. Well, yeah, it was a, it was you know one of those deals where they saw the second guy do it. Um, I think um, I think it was Mike Williams on Greedy, and you know yeah, um, yeah. he he grabs Greedy's you know jersey, tugs him and and jumps, and then Greedy gra- tries to grab him to recover, and they catch Greedy. Uh, but on, that was on fourth and long from the Chargers' end of the field. Yeah, that, um, that was and, a huge huge call. Yeah, I mean that 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 was the most egregious pass interference call I can remember, um, and I don't complain about officials, but if you want to talk about bailing a team out and giving them new life, when that's really all they were trying to do with that play was mm-hmm. throw the ball up in hopes of getting a pass interference, because yeah, why else do you go for it on fourth down like that? Uh, it, it was crazy to me how often the Chargers went for it on fourth down. I think they did it like four or five times. And they converted all of them. Um, and I, I've, I've never seen a team so confident on fourth down. You know, they, they basically turned into a four down offense. You know, where you had they to did. stop them on all four downs, and the Browns just couldn't. You know, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that particular one was. Um, I thought that was a, just a backbreaker. Um, you know, when when the Browns should have been able to stop them um, on fourth down there. And, and just to give, to give that offense new life that way, um, you know, they don't, they don't need that kind of help. No, they don't. They don't. Um, Joe, you've been listening patiently. Let's, <laughs> I want to go, I want to go to you. Um, give me some of your takeaways just from the game in general. So I, I think, and we're, so we're, since we're talking about it with the, the, the fourth downs, you know, the, the way the, the way that they went for it on fourth, it's not like they were in the, it's not like they were in the, the red zone. They were doing fourth downs all over the field. 
and and they were they were making them. And the one time that the Browns should have stopped them, and you're know, watching in real time, you know, I saw saw the the incompletion, and I see the flag come out, and I was like, what are they doing? There wasn't interference on that. And when they showed the replay, it's like, oh shoot, there was interference on that. But the dude was grabbing AJ Green's jersey, and it's like, it was oh AJ Green, God. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was like, what yeah. what are they what are they doing? So. And, you know, every time I've probably seen it like 10 times since and I just get more upset every time I look at it. Yeah, it should have been OPI. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was so bad. But just just the way that they had the, the confidence that they weren't going to be stopped when they went for it on fourth down. I mean, I think they, they went for it on fourth down when they were in. They were still on. You know, they were still on their side of the field like. They went for it once from their own like twenty or something. But like that was that was just <laughs> crazy. They did. They did. They went for yeah. it for like a fourth and two at their own twenty once. I'm thinking, like, are and, you kidding me? Right. And I have if, to say if, that, if, that that is like basically disrespecting the other is. team's defense. It is, and um, they ran the ball in the most obvious play. way possible. They ran the ball on that play, and they got like five. I mean, right. how? I know you have a good running back, but. I mean, I don't right. think. I mean, the Browns aren't going to do that, and they've got the best run running game in the league. You know, I mean, yeah, I just, just they believe it. They, they just felt like, I mean, with, with the the disrespect that you mentioned, it's like they they did not respect our our defense at at all. So when it was fourth down, they're just like, we're gonna we're gonna go for it, and we're gonna get it, and they they did. Right. I mean, we we talked last week, Rod, about you know Williams and Allen being a problem because of their size. Um, and then for us to lose basically our, what our, were we our, yeah. our number five yeah. and six cornerbacks or something, you know, I mean. Um, yeah. It doesn't help when all your corners are out as well. And then you're still going up against those guys. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. And, and I thought those guys played well, but um, you know, Williams, Williams and Allen between them had like 140 yards or 240 yards of, receiving and we couldn't stop them all day it was like it was like them well, trying to stop next Nick, Nick Chubb you know so um yeah well I, Williams I just, had the two he had two the two touchdowns were on on blown coverages you know and, and I don't care whose fault it was I mean you got your you got backup guys out there and rookies out there you know it, it doesn't matter whose fault it was he he had 100 yards and two touchdowns on on blown coverages you know, so I don't know if that happens if you if you have uh, if you have Ward and Newsom out there, you know. And I'm not saying the Browns win if Ward and Newsom are out there, but I sure like their chances a little bit better, you know. Yeah, there obviously were some issues with with how they executed the defense in that game, um, from particularly from a, a back seven standpoint. They just there were they, there were some glaring issues with communication. Yeah, yeah, they they had some problems. They had some problems, uh, you know, as far as who was covering these guys going deep and, right. yeah, yeah, um, you know, and that I guess that's like you said with when you get uh, deep into your corners, you know, and then you you've got um, when you got JOK and um, and Delpit out there, um. You know, and no offense, but those guys don't have a ton of experience yet in the NFL. So um, if they're covering guys, um, you know, they might be saying things they don't know, you know, they're not familiar with. And and for them not to have the starters out there to help them out, um, you know, uh, 
you know, they there's a chance that, that there's going to be trouble. So um, I actually thought that, that AJ Green played well. Um, the, the safeties, if, if you look at the, the PFF grades for that game, the safeties took a beating. Um, and that was, again, mostly just communication, not being in the right spot at the right time. So yeah. it's, it's not like we were undermanned. We just didn't play well. We just got our ass handed to us as a defense. Yeah. So once again, not to make excuses, but how much how much of a difference you guys think it made? You know, not having Clowney out there and not having not having the two corners out there. I mean, it's pretty much those three guys. I think that they were missing. Um, is there anybody else substantial? I mean, or you know, important that they were missing other starters? I think I think it's pretty much those three guys. But you know, those guys are pretty important uh, players. Right. So, um, no, you had, you, know, you had Anthony Walker back. Um, you know, I think everybody, yeah, which is a big plus. And, yeah. 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 Um, you know, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think the safeties played well at all. <laughs> Grant Delpit was horrible. Um, in, in the few snaps that he got, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, I guess you just you just have to look at this as a game where our defense sort of couldn't get it done and you know move on. They came up against a great quarterback. You know, I talked last week about Justin Herbert mm-hmm. um, being able to put a team on his back. Uh, two really big, tough wide receivers and a solid running game. Um, you know. Again, none of us thought that this would be a super high-scoring game, based on how the defenses were playing. Wrong. But yeah. you know, both both of these offenses have the ability to put points on the board in a hurry, and and especially when your when your DBs aren't playing well, um, you know, that we saw what can happen. So you know what? It's one loss. You just you just have to move on. Yeah, yeah. It's one game. So, so Joe, do you think do you think not having Clowney out there um, made a big difference as far as uh, you know, as far as the amount of pressure that the Browns were able to get on on Herbert? I mean, the Browns really didn't get a lot of pressure on Herbert. The Browns had two sacks, but it seemed like Herbert had the time he wanted almost every every time. I mean, you know, he got the, rid of the ball pretty quickly on most plays, but. You know, um, you know, even when he's throwing deep, it didn't seem like he like he was feeling much pressure at all. So, do you think having Clowney out there would have made any you know much difference at all in this game? So, I think I think Clowney has been a I think the best way to put how he's been this year. He's been a he's been a disruptor. I mean, it just seems like every every time he's going up against someone, he's he's getting through. So whether he's pressuring the quarterback or whether he's in the backfield waiting for the the running back, you know he's he's been getting through that offensive line this year. And to not have him, I mean, I I know our our other guys they did okay, but but Clowney's just been such a force this year. That was a huge negative. And once you get your your secondary guys depleted, giving Herbert just a little bit more time is is really all they need. So I, I think that was definitely a huge deal that Clowney was out combined with our, our 
uh, cornerbacks being out. And then with the, the miscommunications with the safety, it just kind of all piled on. And, you know, you saw, you saw the, the two big plays that they had mm-hmm. and it was just de- devastating. Well, and you make a good point about Clown being a disruptor. You know, there's more to playing defensive line than just, you know, than just applying pressure to the quarterback. There's the fact that uh, that that um, you're trying to stop Eckler too, and and Clowney is probably, you know, the, the one of the one of the better guys at stopping the run uh, on that defensive line. And and Eckler didn't rush for a for a big average. I think it was you know between it was between three and four yards a carry. But when he needed a big run, he was able to get it. Uh, it didn't seem like he really had any problem. Uh, anytime there, you know, anytime there was a fourth and two, they just gave him the ball and he he picked up five. Uh, so the Browns would stuff him occasionally, but it was always on first or second down. Um, you know. Um, but he made the big plays when he had to. So you wonder if having Clowney out there could have affected Eckler maybe a little bit. Um, you know, that's a good possibility. Um, you know, Rod, yeah, we I w- talked earlier in the season about um, giving the quarterback running lanes and not, you know, not closing down um, the center. And, mm-hmm. and, and that, that problem resurfaced this week. And I don't know if that's a personnel thing or an execution thing or a scheme thing, but, um, you know, the, the D tackles for whatever reason, um, were just losing contain and yeah. the, the middle, the middle was open. And I don't know if they thought Herbert, you know, wasn't going to run. Um, you know, he didn't, he didn't run a lot, but I thought he had some key runs, um, on late downs. And that yeah. was because we were we were trying to put an outside rush on him, and we left the middle wide open. Yeah, and you know Austin Eckler had a lot of runs right up the middle too, and he's he's not a big dude. Okay, so if you got guys there, right? If you got guys there, you're going to get him. You know, I, I don't care. I know he's a I know he's a strong guy and all this stuff, but he, he's not big. Okay, um, he, he's a little guy. If somebody's there, they're going to get him. And, and he was running straight up the middle on a lot of runs. So, so you make a you make a great point. Uh, it seems to be an issue for the Browns. Um, from time to time, it's it recently. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. From you know, from time to time, um, when they're playing well, they're plugging that they're plugging that gap. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. So uh, let let's look at some of the bright spots. I mean, the Browns obviously lost this game. Um, you know, there's, there's more negatives to talk about, but, you know, for me, I mean, there were, there were several bright spots. You could look at a bunch of good things for the Browns in this game, but I think the best thing for me was that Baker looked pretty good. Okay. We've seen before this game, what, two weeks of, of bad Baker does Baker is Baker ever going to be able to throw the ball well again with this with his shoulder all jacked up? Uh, you know, are they ever going to be able to game plan Baker into a good game again, or do we need to put Keenum out there eventually because Baker just can't get it done? And Baker came out and and threw for three hundred yards. Um, you know, uh, twenty three for thirty two, three hundred five, and and two touchdowns. 
he looked pretty good. They were clearly game planning for his shoulder because he wasn't throwing the ball deep very often, mm-hmm. which is probably what they need to do because I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's the issue is that I don't think he has as much accuracy when he tries to throw it, the ball down the field. You know, the the more shoulder turn you're putting into it, the more that harness is probably messing with him, and it's probably harder for him to be accurate when he's throwing down the field. So he's still going to do it when he has to. You know, like when he's got to chuck the ball into the end zone at the end of the game, he can still get it there. But he, you know, he's probably like, like, uh, you know, like, like uh, some some guys the Indians have brought up in the past, where they can throw it 100 miles an hour, but they don't know where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it, it's probably very much the same. So, uh, but but if they're game planning for him, which they I thought I thought Stefanski did a nice job of doing that it, to to um, you know to get Baker plays that he can make to where he can be accurate with his. You know, I don't even know if it's limitations because he can throw the ball. But you just you got to be smart about where he's throwing the ball so that he's accurate. I think that's the whole situation because his right arm's still just as strong, guys. He can throw the ball. But if he's if you know, I'm sure if he's throwing it across his body at too much of an angle or if he's throwing it too far down the field, he loses a lot of accuracy. It's got to be the case. So that's where they're game planning around it. And that's what they did. And that's why they were able to move the ball and score points. So I was very happy to see that they can that they can come up with a game plan for Baker and the team to be able to move the ball and score. How'd you how'd you yeah. guys feel about Baker? You you agree with that? Yeah, five hundred and thirty-one yards or yeah, five hundred and thirty-one yards of total offense. Um 42 points is enough to win most of the time. <laughs> 90% of the time, it's enough to win. Are there yeah. throws that Baker can't make right now? Sure. Um, and can can defenses um, sort of limit him as a result? Sure. Um, but if you can put 42 points on the board against a fairly decent defense. Now, granted, they, the Chargers were not a good run defense. We, you know, we we should have just been able to run the ball down and throw it all day. Um, but to be able to put that many points up and those that many yards up, the problem is not Baker. No, you're right. You're right. Definitely. Definitely. I think it was very encouraging to see Baker have his uh, bounce back game. Um, I mean, he was, for the most part, putting the ball where where he needed to. And I think on that second to last possession, there might have been a little bit of interference on that. Um, but I, it just stinks that with the last couple of possessions, they couldn't get anything done. So all the all the blame, unfortunately, went to went to Baker, whether right or wrong. I, I don't think it's right because, I mean, he played a good game for 57 minutes and it's just a, the last three. But it was it was good to see him have a, a bounce back game, and I think that kind of should give everybody a little bit of confidence going definitely going into this week. Well, that's how I saw it. it for me. There was a lot of confidence really for the remainder of the season, where I was kind I kind of went into this game a little bit down, thinking, man, if if we see another 
game from Baker where he just playing can't throw the ball with any accuracy, then the rest of the season kind of looks, eh, you know, I'm kind of kind of concerned. But the fact that they were able to figure this thing out a bit, um, you know, I, I'm, I was pretty excited about that part of it. Obviously not excited about the loss, but, you know, I mean, you got to you got to you got to take your lumps and move on. But um, but yeah, seeing what we saw out of Baker, I thought it was definitely positive. And um, what can you say about Chubb and Hunt? <laughs> I mean, not not enough. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> no, I mean those, those guys. Uh, you know, they could have had a lot more. They they could have. Um, but the points were going up so fast. It was just it was just kind of crazy. I mean, uh, let's see. I don't I don't have his I don't have his average in front of me, but uh, Chubb. 21 series. 7.7, 21 for 161. It seemed like he was ripping off 10 yards every time he touched the ball. Yeah, and Kareem Kareem was right at 5, so 12 for 61, just over 5. And they scored three touchdowns together, and they had receptions for another, what, 37, 36 receptions for 37 yards between them. So um, definitely great, but... Guys, we got to talk about David Njoku and where the hell he came from. <laughs> I mean, the other tight ends were healthy. I mean, this was his this was his uh, this was his game. I mean, he's never done anything like this before. Just never done, had a game anywhere close to this. I mean, it, I mean, it, I don't have his you know, again, his career stats, but I mean, seven catches for 149 and a touchdown. I mean, what do you have last year? What do you have last year in receiving? Maybe two two hundred yards. You know, <laughs> I, I'm serious. I'm serious. He right. probably didn't. He probably didn't have twenty catches all last season. I mean, he looked like a monster out there. So, what does what does this do for the for the tight end picture going forward, Joe? So I I think um and and hopefully this will kind of be uh. And Joku's coming out party a little bit, because um, I think Hooper is kind of been a dis a disappointment with his time for the Browns. Um, I I think he I mean he is probably disappointed in himself too, but um, and Joku's definitely more 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 talented, more athletic, um, and we saw what what he could do when he took that took that nice long. Um, he caught the ball and then ran for like 50 yards after that for the the touchdown. Uh, we, and, uh, th- that's what they drafted him for. So I mean, it took you know, what four or five years to get here, but I, I think he, I think this David Njoku might be here to stay. Well, I I mean it's very <laughs> interesting with his contract status because he's making some bucks this season and he's a free agent after this season. Yeah, this is so walk here. Yeah, so I'm kicking it back to you, Jeff. And where, so, how do you, how do, how do you see this tight end room? And did did this game change anything at all? So I pulled his stats. So he, last year he played in 13 games, and he got just under 39 percent of the offensive snaps. He had 19 receptions for 213 yards and two touchdowns. So you were pretty close, Rod. Yeah, um, yeah. So like, yeah, two, he was he was basically not a factor last year. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Um, you know, does he does he have the right motivations this year? Apparently, um, but I also think that the offense is featuring him more this year. Um, 
and you know it was it was probably really um, astute game planning in light of Baker's limitations um, to put Njoku in routes and and give Baker a chance to complete some pretty wide open stuff, um, which is what Njoku can do. You know, I mean, he's he's matched up with a linebacker and he's he's going to beat those guys. Um, so, hey, um, I'm I'm happy to see it. Um, it I don't think it I, long term. I, I think we need to see a lot more of this before we start thinking about you know is is he going to be in the discussion as you know uh, an extension candidate or uh, is he going to be with the team long term? Um, but you know. This, this game was definitely a great showcase for him, whether that means mm-hmm. that, you know, it gets him a contract somewhere else in the offseason or we can, you know, do something else with him. Uh, time will tell. But, man, he sure had a day. Do, do you have the Browns numbers up there or do you just have uh, Njoku's numbers up? Um, for what? Um, this season. I was just wondering how how his numbers this season compare to Austin Hooper and and Harrison Bryant. I, I know Austin Hooper's oh. been pretty consistent this season. I don't think he was much of a factor Sunday, but he's been, you know, he's he's had um, multiple catches in pretty much every other game. Um, he he hasn't really had big yardage, but he's you know he's been putting up two, three, four, five catches or two, three, four anyways catches each game. Um, yeah, I mean Austin Hooper so far this year has. 11 catches for 97 yards. Last yeah. year he had he had, in 13 games he had 46 for 435. Yeah, so he's pretty much on the same pace almost and Harrison Bryant really hasn't been much of a factor yet. He's had probably a few catches and that's that's pretty much it. So. Right. So, yeah, you know, definitely interesting. Um but yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I I'm with you. He had a great game, but I don't think they're going to all of a sudden you know, say, oh, and, and Joku's the guy and, and forget about the other two tight ends. I think they're going to keep using these guys, you know, as as they have been. And if somebody if somebody's open, Baker's going to throw them the ball. And if they make a play, great. You know, that's just kind of how it works. Yeah, I mean, these are the steady guys that this offense is built around. You know, Chubb and Hunt and the tight ends. Um, and right now, wide receiver... Um, is is you know there's sort of a flavor of the week um, at wide receiver. Nobody's really floated to the surface yet, um, and we haven't yeah. really shown any ability to move the ball down the field that way. So um, these are the guys that are getting the touches. I mean, uh, DPJ finally had a, a you know a pretty good game with five catches, seventy yards. Um, that's kind of you know almost the type of game I would have expected. You know, not that not that you expect him to have five catches every week, but you know, the kind of game coming out of, uh, you know, coming out of the preseason with, with how he looked in practice and everything else. Um, you know, I, I expected him to show a little bit more than he has showed so far, but you know, I think that's a good sign with him getting five, you know, five catches, 70 yards. That, that's, that's pretty good. So, um, definitely, Definitely happy about that, but you're right. I mean, you know, Higgins had a couple, OBJ had a couple, and you know, and it's it's very much scattered around. We haven't really heard much from Schwartz, you know, much at all. 
Um, but that kind of goes back to that that pick, I think. So they're going to bring him along real slow, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, he's got to finish routes. If he's, if he's going to gain any confidence um, from the, the quarterback and, and the offense uh, in general, he's got to finish routes. Uh, he's just not doing that. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm going to go back to a discussion that we had pretty much before the season. And, and you know, I, I think I'm the one who kind of brought this up is is the fact that how, how uh, DPJ looked and you've got Higgins – and he just drafted Schwartz, and you know, and are these guys the guys of the future? Man, with with Jarvis out, whew, it sure doesn't look like like you could just let Jarvis go. And <laughs> and you know, and I don't I don't know. I don't even want to really talk about OBJ at this point. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's such a hot topic. Everybody just wants to talk about OBJ. You know, just talk it to death. But. Um, you know, I really expected DPJ and, you know, and even Schwartz uh, to step up a little bit more. I think Higgins has made the most of his opportunities when he's been in the game. Right. I think so. Um, do either those, of you those guys. Those other two guys are just young players, Rod. They're, they're young players. They are. It's going to take them a while to establish. Yeah, it takes some time. I, th- I think I think DPJ's got the. Uh, I think he's got the ability and, and everything. It's he just needs some experience and you know and some. I think he just needs more snaps. Yeah, I think you're right, definitely. And Schwartz, Schwartz probably needs a season or or two to to really settle in. But um, yeah, I I think he's you know if he can stay healthy, I think he's I think he's going to end up being a being a nice uh, addition, definitely. He's he's really a project. I mean, he he came in with speed being his number one attribute and and route running being absolutely his worst attribute. And that's, yeah. you know, what he has to learn as a professional. Yeah, yeah. But you can't teach speed. <laughs> no, that's true. Teach all this other <laughs> stuff. Do either of you guys have an opinion you want to throw out on all the OBJ speculation going around? It's not even speculation. It's the fact that everybody keeps tossing this thing out about do we need to trade him or not. I don't think the Browns are thinking of trading him midseason right now. Do either one of you guys even want to talk about this? I tell you what, when, when uh, when OBJ was talking today, and they were just asking him about everything, and he's just like, "I'm, I'm just here to here to win a championship. I'm in a. I think the Browns are in a good position for it." And then they just like kept kept asking him. So I, I don't know. I, I don't trading him now doesn't doesn't make sense. And I mean, it thinks that the chemistry with with him and Baker isn't there. And but I don't know. We still we still got a lot of the year to go and get get Jarvis healthy, have him be healthy, and you know, let's just let's just see what happens. Yeah. Do you agree with that, Jeff? So, so here's what I have to add to that. Um, I was watching his body language during the game. Um, it's very obvious to me that he is disappointed that he's not contributing more, that mm-hmm. he's not getting more opportunities and, and clicking. Yeah. How that turns into a you know non-working relationship with baker um is above my pay grade but 
the reality I think is, is that the two of them have not figured out how to connect and whether they can or can't, um, people right now are trying to look for, um, that blame, you know, some, someone to, to take the blame for a loss. And that's what we do in Cleveland. Well, I'm sure every sports fan does that, right? No, I, you know, as we, I, we, if you lose, you, you got to blame some. It's somebody's fault, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, you know, you, you'd love to see your $15 million a year, um, you know, featured receiver get more than two catches for 20 yards uh, in a yeah. game where you scored 42 points. Okay. Um, but the reality is it just hasn't worked that way. And, you know, if, if that makes him unhappy or, if, you know, the relationship is, is, is as toxic as some people are suggesting, um, we'll find out what the solution for that is, I think, in the offseason. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at it, you know. I mean, if, if, if they scored 42 points with him in the lineup, then why is there an issue? You know, does it matter who gets how many balls, you know? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, he's he's you, you're not hearing anything from him publicly that he's upset about not getting, you know, more uh, targets or anything. Well, like his, that. his comment, I think, today was um, James Harden doesn't get paid to play defense. So, you know, he's out there to score, you know, and, and I think that that just kind of throws more gas on the fire that, you know, Hey, I'm not, I don't want to be a decoy. I don't want to be just out running routes for my health. You know, I want to get balls thrown my way. I want to, you know, I want to score and everything. And, and basically that just, that feeds that whole narrative, you know, that um, he's out for himself and, you know, he's not a team first guy and everything. Um, I mean, that's honestly the first, the first thing I've really heard him say then that that's really not, just team based yes this year this year and it, it could just be frustration with you know how the game went on sunday it, it could be it could be i mean you know here, here's a guy who you know busted his ass to get back you know um recovered very quickly from this injury and, and he's out there and you know and, he, and he's playing and Something's just off a little bit, so it, it's got to be frustrating. Yeah, and you know, and the team is is three and two when they they could be they could be five and zero oh right now. So he's probably a little frustrated with that. The players are too. They know they're better than three and two, I would think. Um, so you know, you can understand a little bit of frustration, but I, I still believe he's a team guy, and um, you know, I I just I don't know. I think you're exactly right with the. Uh, with the chemistry thing or, or whatever you want to call it is for whatever reason, he and he and Baker just are not on the same page on these routes. You know, um, OBJ goes down and, and, you know, and, and Baker expects him to, to break the route in and, and OBJ, you know, you know, OBJ continues, you know, toward the end zone. Um, you know, it, it happens constantly. You know, they always read things differently, and I don't know what you can do about that. Um, well, you know, it's when reps. you just read, like, like you yeah. were saying with everybody else, it's just reps, and you, you know, you just watch the rest of the season how that progresses. And I don't think your your knee jerk reaction is is that you know we need to fire somebody. 
because things aren't working. You know, the, no, and, that's, no, Joe's, that goes, Joe's that exactly goes for the right quarterbacks. That. that goes, yeah, yeah the defense. Yeah. I don't, I don't care who you're talking about on a team. You don't fire somebody because things aren't working well. You, you know, you, you have to continue to develop that chemistry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's out there. He's, uh, um, he seems to be fully recovered. So he's got his speed. He's one of the. He's still one of the faster guys or fastest guys in the league. Why would you just feel like, oh man, we got we got to trade him. We we just got to trade him right now. Um, we we just can't do this anymore. Right. <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. make sense. It right. just doesn't. So, um, yeah. anyways, so uh, so guys, the Browns have uh, have another game coming up. Believe it or not, uh, against the Arizona Cardinals, who are are five and zero. So on the surface, the the uh, schedule doesn't get any easier, but you know, I mean, this give the schedule makers some credit. Um, you know, they 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 really set up uh, some of the teams who who seem to be on a path, um, you know, to have a decent season with some tough schedules. I mean, just ask Kansas City. Um, <laughs> it seems like every week they're playing somebody tough. Uh, mm-hmm. The Browns, it's you know, it's not a lot different. So um, Cardinals are. Are five and zero. Oh. Uh, fortunately, this game is in Cleveland, and the Browns are. Let's see. I think they opened as a three-point favorite. They might be a three and a half-point favorite now, something like that. Um, I think it depends which site you look at. Mm-hmm. But on this one, the over/under is forty-nine or forty-nine and a half. Um. Cardinals have a couple guys out for this game. Um, Rodney Hudson, I think he's their starting center, and Chandler Jones, one of their uh, pass rushers, who's a pretty darn good player. Um, he is out. Uh, Brown, you know, the, if you look at the injury list right now, both teams have a ton of guys on the list. So um, it, it's hard to say who all is going to be playing. Um, it, at least practicing so far the browns have you know have all their corners out there practicing at least on a limited basis so so we're hoping those guys are back um but i mean shoot half the browns team is listed as questionable right now so um yeah yeah it's it's uh it's kind of it's kind of hard to know who's who's going to play and who's not so um you guys know I do a little bit of fantasy, and I tell you what, it's really not a lot of fun to fill out a fantasy lineup when everybody in the league is is put down as questionable every you know every day up until game day. <laughs> I'm like, how am I supposed to know who to play? Right. So, so in, in that respect, you miss the uh, the probable, probable, and questionable and doubtful, and because now everything's just questionable. So from a fantasy perspective, I I think. Having everything listed as, as questionable is super frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, one of one of my leagues, I have, um, and I, I won't go too far in this case because um, we want to talk about this this Arizona game. But one of my leagues, I have uh, I have a choice between playing uh, Mike Williams against the Ravens or playing um, Antonio Brown tonight, and uh, Mike Williams is listed as questionable. Well, I'm not going to know if Mike Williams is going to play until Sunday morning, probably, or at least tomorrow late. So I pretty much had to put Antonio Brown in. So 
you know, um, it's not a huge issue, really. They're both pretty good players. But anyways, <laughs> all I'm saying is when you got guys going on Thursday and then you got like your entire team questionable for Sunday, it makes you play the Thursday guy pretty much because you got to make sure you got somebody out there that's going to score points. So we move on. Uh, the Cardinals. Um I tell you what, guys, uh, Cardinals 5-0, and oh, and I just looked at the points for and points against, um, you know, and, and uh, we can look at who, who the Cardinals played, but um, they haven't lost a game yet. You know, the Browns have, have scored 142 points and given up 114. The Cardinals have scored 157 and given up 95. So the Cardinals... Um, I mean, you would expect them, you know, to have a pretty good ratio. They're being undefeated, but they have beaten the the Titans, the Vikings. Um, who, who they had a close 34-33 against the Vikings. Um, they beat the Jags, they beat the Rams, and then they just beat the 49ers. So, um, say what you will about the teams they've played, the only the only common opponent so far is the Vikings, and they beat them by a point. And the Browns had a close game against them too. So. Um, so, uh, so Jeff, I'll let you start with the, uh, with the, uh, with, uh, with the Cardinals. What, um, what do you think about this game? Well, it, it certainly sets up as a high scoring game. Um, you know, that means, you know, us thinking that it's probably going to be, you know, three to nothing or something, <laughs> yeah. but, um, uh, no, I think looking at the two offenses and recent history, I, I got to think this is going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be, you know, exchanging points until whoever scores last. And my big concern is, is that, you know, we've seen this issue resurface where we have a hard time scoring at the end of halves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so um, if we can figure that out and and, you know, sort of possess the ball – like we like we want to with our run game, um, the Cardinals give up a ton of yards. They they score a lot of points. They give up a ton of yards, uh, and they give up a lot of points. So we should be able to outgun them um, if we can contain um, their offense even a little bit. Yes. Yeah, so what do you think, Joe? Well, I think this is kind of going to be similar to to last week. Cardinals have a bottom ten rush defense. Um, they have a mid mid lean um, pass defense, so I think just like last week, we're kind of kind of be able to run wild on them. Um, and I, I think we're going to be able to pass the ball, but I I think you know with the Kansas City game with with last week, you know if if crunch time comes down and we got the the ball last, and I I don't know how much confidence I have for us to be able to to get a to orchestrate a winning drive. Guys, I'd sure like to see the Browns have one of those. <laughs> it seems like it's been a while. You know, I, I so wanted to see the Browns run the clock out with three minutes left against the Chargers. And, uh, man, after all the points they scored, that three and out just kind of kind of stunk. So, um, you know, hopefully they can they can do something different against the, against the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals' defense has played, you know, I don't know. Um Let's see, they've given up uh, 13, 33, 19, 20, and 10. So, um, yeah, 
Yeah, hard to say. Um, we know their offense is good. So um, I think the know. way we have to do it is we have to outlast them. We have to score a ton of points early, build up a huge lead, and then just outlast them. Because my confidence level and our ability to, to score a winning drive, just like Joe, is, is about 10%. So you're thinking like Titans game um, 2020. Get get a huge lead, and then yes, just like like seventy to nothing at half. <laughs> <laughs> that might not be safe yeah. <laughs> if we can't say. contain Kyler Murray. Well, I mean, I yeah, I'm kind of concerned because he had a down week last week too. He really didn't yeah. play very well last week, so you know he didn't run much. He um he just didn't he didn't play very well last week, so. I'm afraid he's going to come in, into this game with a chip on his shoulder. And, and yeah, yeah. Um, I think we need some points. I'm with you guys, definitely. Definitely. Um, and, you know, I think, when, I think when him and Baker go against each other, there's some, you know, their history. I think there's kind of something, you know, special there. So I think the, the points are going to be a plenty in this game. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, the Cardinals have, uh, you know, they got they got a bunch of a bunch of good receivers, man. Uh, a bunch of good receivers. Um, we'll see. You know, I mean, I really would like to see the Browns get a lead early and then be able to 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 get, um, you know, to get Chubb going late in this game. Um, Man, that that's really when the Browns are at their best, is when they can get that lead and just and just put an eight minute drive together in the fourth quarter and just say, man, this thing's over. Um, yeah, you guys aren't getting the ball back. <laughs> so well, you know, we'll see, we'll see. But um, I mean, the the uh, Cardinals kind of, you know, their their numbers on offense and stuff kind of resemble the Browns quite a bit. You know, they're they're a uh, they control the clock, you know. They got their 32-16 as their time of possession per game. I think the Browns are, you know, somewhere around that. Um, you know, they they've scored 19 touchdowns, given up 12. Um, they, they've got a couple more sacks than they've given up. Um, their their third down efficiency is only uh, 22 for 54. I don't have the Browns in front of me, but that doesn't sound very good. You know. Um, I would think, you know, I would think, uh, Browns are, is maybe better than that. I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, but I'm actually really encouraged by that, by that third down number. So hopefully we can keep that going. Uh, yeah. 22 of 54 is not that great, but they, they're only giving up 18 of 57 on third down, <laughs> which is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but again, you look at their competition, you, um, you know, I mean, I well, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the only team they really, they well, they caught the Titans early, so um, you know that could have been just a fluke. And they played, and they played the Jags. They had a good game with the Vikings. I mean, the Rams, eh, and then they had a low-scoring game with the 49ers. So um, it, it's hard to read too much into their schedule. So, so um, yeah. So I, I think you guys, I think you, I think we're onto something. I'm thinking higher scoring game too. Um, what? Anything else you guys see in this game, or are you ready to give some some predictions for a final score, Jeff? 
You want to go first again, Rod? Final score? Uh, Joe, do you have anything else about this game, or are you ready to go final score, too? I'll All go right. first. Yeah, so, so one, one last thing. Uh, it sounded like the, the corners were going to be playing this week. Um, and I think that is a that is a huge deal with Hopkins and Christian Kirk and A.J. Green. I, I think that we're going to need all hands on deck from our cornerbacks this week. Yeah, yeah, sure. definitely. Well, yeah, I know our corners were practicing on a limited basis, but so is Hopkins. So, <laughs> man, everybody's gimpy, and it's, you know, it's week, we're going into week six. I can't imagine what the yeah. league's going to look like by week, you know, 13 or something. It's kind of crazy. Um all right. You know what? I was going to go higher, but I'm just going to go with my original score, guys. Because um, if I go real high, I'll end up looking stupid because it'll be a way lower scoring game. So I'm, I'm going to go Browns 35, Cardinals 29 in this one. So, Jeff, we'll let you go next. Well, I'm going to go a little higher than that, but not a lot. Um, I just want to preface this by saying that it's really hard to go undefeated in the NFL. So, yeah, from the Cardinals' perspective, coming here um, with that burden, um, mm. I, I think mm. it's going to be tough for them. So, um, yeah. and hopefully, our defense rises to the occasion. We get out to a big lead and we hold on, 38-35. Nice. Yeah, I hope we get. Uh, hope we have guys back. Hope everybody's, or most of the guys are back anyway. So let's hope. So what do you think, Joe? All right. So I think we're going to have a. Um, I think we're going to have another high-scoring game here. And I, I like the idea of the Bens jumping out to a, um, a maybe like a nice, nice three-score lead, and then. Uh, Arizona will chip away a little bit, but in the end, the Browns will hold the ball for like 40 minutes and close it out. So I, I think the the Browns win 40, 48 to, we'll say 30, 38. 48 to 38. Let's see, we're all going very comfortably with the over. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we all got the Browns covering except for Jeff, who's got. Got him pushing or, or just barely. So, all right. All right. Um, so, uh, Jeff, do you have any closing thoughts for us tonight? Well, just that I, I hope we have a low-stress weekend. Um, these games have been – well, this, this past game was a little, little high-stress. Uh, it'd be nice if we had a low-stress one this Sunday because uh, we have to turn around and play a game again on Thursday. Oh, that's right. That's right. So, Joe, uh, any closing words you'd like to leave us with? Boy, I think a, um, a, a low-stress game would be, oh, my goodness, that would be great, <laughs> especially with the, uh, with the quick turnaround. Um, I know I was kind of hooting and hollering on, on Sunday when, when the Chargers game was on. I was uh, kind of startled. I have a three-month-old and startled, startled him real bad. And, and he was it was the the second missed uh, second missed extra point by the the Chargers. I I just went crazy and startled the crap out of him, and he was 
he was going crazy for 20 <laughs> minutes. So um, let's have a nice, comfortable, calm game where the, the bounce is, you know, ni- nice and easy with that quick turnaround. We don't, we don't need to be kind of trying to figure out who to, who to blame. Let's just win and focus on Denver. I may have gotten a little bit loud on that missed extra point as well, um, <laughs> Joe. So, so don't feel bad. <laughs> All right. Hey, Joe, we appreciate you coming on. Um, you guys follow him at J underscore O underscore Neil, N-E-I-L-L. You can follow me at Clee Rod B. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.